Hi, welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today, I am joined by Olympian and rider for Team DHB Sun God, Charlie Tanfield. Thank you for joining me today, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. What's your first memory of being on a bike? First memory? Um, I think it was actually um, was before I started riding. My parents used to ride to the um, local pub and they used to put me on a tag along. And um, I used to like ride on the back. And um, that was the first memory I had. Uh, my dad, I'd always complain that my legs, was, my legs were hurting. And um, he would say, well, I'll freewheel then you can pedal a little bit harder and <laughs> get them working. But yeah, that was, that was my first memory. Uh, I must have been around, uh, I think I would have been around eight, six. Nah, probably like five, I guess. Quite young, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I was on one of those that um, attached on the back of my dad's bike and I think I used to just freewheel the whole time and let him do most of the riding. <laughs> yeah, you can just freewheel and get a free ride, basically. Yeah. I think my dad was hearing the freewheel too much. <laughs> Especially on the hills. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when he would maybe pedal to What's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? Well, I actually think it took me a while to get excited about cycling kit and stuff like that. Um, I think it, might, it was actually uh, when I was at uni, I think it was the first time I really got excited about a bike. Um, it was my Cervelo uh, Pursuit bike that I was riding uh, when I was 18 uh, with my team, KGF teammates. Um, yeah, because it was uh, it was quite a special bike, really. It was a bike that I rode that um, got me seen on, uh, got me some results on the scene and got me noticed. Um, so it's got quite a few, quite a few attachments in that sort of sense. Um, and it was it was pretty cool as well. It had some pretty cool kit on it. So um, yeah, it was it was a quick bike. <laughs> Have you still got that bike? Well, I do. I wanted to keep it and I wanted to hang it up on my wall, but um, my brother he wanted to do some track racing. So um, I reluctantly lent it to him, and um, it's actually in a lockup somewhere in Derby now. So I hope it's still there. Um, but I'm gonna re- I'm gonna have to retrieve it at some point because <laughs> it was a pretty cool machine. So you mentioned your brother riding. Um, was that who you sort of first rode with when you got into cycling? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was more of a family affair, really. Um, me and my brother, we would go training together. Um, I wasn't always that keen to go with him because he was two years, my older brother's two years older than me. So he was always a bit stronger than me when I was younger. Um, so I was always playing catch up with him, really. Um, I guess it kind of brought me on a bit. It always had that, it, I always had that bit of a carrot really to, um, to, you know, to keep me, uh, keep me going. But, um, I, it was mainly my mum who would like say to me, like, look, go out with your brother because, uh, he, he'll make you stronger if you can keep up with him. So I used to go out with him a bit, um. And then as I, as I got into the junior categories, I kind of went onto my own thing and um, started training on my own a little bit more, really. And can you tell me about your first race? My first race? Well, the first race that I remember um, was a race league called League 2000. It was like a closed closed circuit race um, and, it, and it had three events on the night. It was every Monday night. And um, it had a, uh, a skills test course, which you'd ride, do slalom through cones, uh, pick up bottles and go under limbo bars. And then um, there was a time trial to go to follow, which is about a minute long. 
And then uh, on the evening, there was a big race, which was three laps to the circuit, um, which for me at the time felt like the world champs. For some reason, I used to get really nervous. And I used to think it was the biggest race. But uh, yeah, looking back on it now, it seems a bit silly. But at the time, it was, I, was, I was really serious. I was so nervous about it. Yeah, so that's, that's my first race. I, I, I'll have been, um, I, I don't know, I've still have been quite young. I, I reckon about 10 years old, maybe. Um, yeah. So all, all the, the whole family used to go down. And um, yeah, it was, it's great road, road race league, that. Well, circuit race league. Were you part of a local club? I was actually. Um, so me and my brother, we used to do a little bit of mountain biking. We used to go to the local quarry and do jumps. And we were riding back one day and this this guy stopped by. He, he rode for the Cleveland Wheelers and um, he said to us, look, come down to this ro- this race league. Um, we're part of the Cleveland Wheelers and that was who run it. So um, they kind of took us on and uh, we joined the club. Um, and I'm still a second claim member to this day. So <laughs> I've been riding with them now for... Um, yeah, since I started, really. I still go and see them at the weekend sometimes when I go home and, yeah, have some good friends in the club, actually. It's um, it's a, a great thing for the North East, the Cleveland Wheelers. There's uh, plenty of plenty of kids who have started out through there and gone through the ranks, so it's, it's really good to see. What sort of training did you do and how is it different from the training that you do now? When I was at uni, I was quite time-constrained, so m- most of my training would all be on the turbo. Um, I remember coming home at like six or seven at night and then um, just getting on the turbo in the dark and the, uh, it's dark outside and I'd have like an hour or so on the turbo. So my training when I was at uni, uh, before I got on the programme, was it was, all, it was all training on specific work and it was all VO2 max efforts. Um, and I got, in, I got out on the weekends for like the three or four hour ride, but my endurance was lacking. So I'd say since I joined the programme, I do a lot more hours now, a um, lot more time in the saddle um, and maybe some less efforts, I'd say, because I'm spending so much time on my bike. So it has changed quite a lot, actually. And when you were at uni, how did you balance your riding with your education? Was it hard to sort of yeah, for, do the training? It was very hard. Um, I was lucky to have... Uh, three housemates that were all cyclists as well so essentially they, they knew you know like they, they knew that I'd need to come home and go training if I, if I was staying with just some normal people who weren't cyclists they must have thought it would have been absolutely crazy coming home at night and making a big racket on the turbo and you know working away um, but yeah it's, it was hard to balance um, especially with doing uni work my second year at uni before I got on the program really the balance wasn't there and Essentially, I was going all in on cycling. Uh, so I was, yeah, not, not so balanced in my second year. Um, but I guess it's all about time management, really, for anyone who's at uni um, who wants to do both. It is tricky, um, but I think it can be done if you use your time wisely, that is, I think. Can you tell me about your first national race? Yes, I can. I remember that, actually. That was probably one of my first memories of a, a race that I was remember vividly um it was at my local circuit well localish the only one that did a national series race um it was at hetton park and um i remember he sat on the start line and i just i felt sick i was so i just i was so nervous <laughs> i couldn't believe it and um it was it was kind of scary seeing all these people all these kids from around the country lining up against you because i'd just done some like local races at this point and um 
I was, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was under 12 and, um, it was, uh, yeah, a closed circuit race again. And, um, luckily I, I somehow I managed to win it. Um, yeah. So there was, yeah, I mean, it's it quite an experience really. I just, for, for my, my own, my overriding memory from all these races has just been really nervous. I mean, I feel as though I was more nervous for that than what I was for like a world champs or something, but, um, I guess I've managed to get control of my uh, nerves since then so that's a good thing that is a very good first national race <laughs> <laughs> have you have you have you raced at um at Hetton Park before no, do you, do, no I don't I don't actually do national road race mm. I mainly go off-road but I have oh, okay. a good that good a result in the off-road nationals but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you will do give it a bit of time so what was the first team that you were a part of was did you get on a team after you had won that um so i i all the way through the youth ranks i rode for the cleveland wheelers we had a good friends at the um local bike shop so they supported us which we were very grateful for and i'm also, my parents too. So when I was a youth racer, I, it was basically just my family and us. Um, we would just go around and make the most of it. Um, and then as a junior, I joined um, Team Wallace. Um, quite a few good riders have ridden for them. Matt Holmes has rode for them. Uh, my brother did. Um, I rode for those for a year. And um, that was that was the transition point there when I became a junior that it was it was, it was more becoming a more of a self-motivated thing instead of... Um, Instead of just, you know, my parents taking me there and making me ride a bike around the track, um, it it become more of a um, self, uh, yeah, self fulfilling thing and um, something that I wanted to do really. When did you first join the British Cycling Talent Development Team? So I joined um, the talent team. Uh, it would have been second year under sixteen, so I'd have been, I'd have been fourteen going on fifteen. Which, when I think about it now, is very young. Um, it's a, it's, I think it's sometimes there's a lot to handle for someone that young, um, being in that sort of environment. Um, I don't know what it's like now. It's probably been a few years and it's probably changed quite a bit. So yeah, I was on, I was on with them for a year. Um, I felt as though personally, I felt as though my results were good enough to progress. Um, yeah, uh, I think I managed to win some national titles that year. Um, however, I think looking back now maybe my face didn't really fit I don't think I conducted myself very well very professionally um so I think for anyone going through the program it's not just about your cycling results you need to you need to be conducting yourself professionally and um working with the coaches not just not just me being an immature child at the time and just doing my own thing and turning up to the races and doing all right but it's it's more than that because I think when you become an adult, um, you need to show that you can work with the coaches because you can only get so far off off your own riding. Yeah, and you do need to show that you're able to work well with, with others eventually. And there's a podcast called Yorkshire Grit that my dad listens to, and it talks about men's mental health. And I listened to your episode, and I was amazed at what you went through as a teenager. Can you talk me through the phone call that you got at 15 and how that affected you in the years that followed? 
Yeah, um, I feel as though that had a massive effect on me, actually. Um, again, going back to being put in a, a situation where you're so young, um, it's hard for you to handle knockbacks and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so essentially, um, I, I thought I'd be in a position where I could move forward onto the Olympic Development Programme. I got a call saying that, look, we don't want to take you on um, and that we will still want to keep an eye on you, but um, we don't want to take you any further. Um, and at that point, I just remember my whole world come crashing down because I was set on being into, you know, progressing. And that's what I really wanted to do. I, I remember my, my mates at school at the time, they, they'd only talk about me um, being the cyclist, you know, he's going to be an athlete when he's older. And at that point, I was like, well, like, it's, well, that's it. Um, so essentially, um, it took me a while to come round from that. And I, I, I kind of fell out with the sport for a while. Um, yeah. I didn't really want to ride my bike. Um, my diet wasn't good. I was messing around at school. And I didn't really, um, yeah, I kind of lost my way a bit. Um, so it took me a while to um, come back from that. Um, and as I say, I think... At that age, you sometimes people struggle to deal with things um, like that, um, especially when you're so invested into something. Um, but eventually, as I become a junior, I um, yeah, I managed to kind of change the way I did things, and I set some new targets, and that's how I kind of got back into it. Really, I I, I basically took a year off after being on the um, being on the talent team because I just fell out of love with the sport. And I come back again and um, I, I rediscovered why I did it. And um, more importantly, I think I was self-motivated. I wasn't doing it because my parents were just taking me there and saying, like, look, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It was more for my own enjoyment. Um, so looking back, it's, it was probably a good thing that it happened to me because it took me down a different path, which n not many other athletes had been down. And I got some amazing opportunities along the way to, to try out new things and um, just take a different route to where I wanted to be in the end and kind of discover what I was good at and what I was bad at, really. So you mentioned about struggling with your eating, and I understand that you lost quite a lot of weight. How did that affect you mentally and your social life? Yeah, so essentially, I think I went I went from one extreme to the other. I went from being a, an overweight teenager to mess around to being so serious that I thought that to be successful on the road like I had to be super super thin and um yeah um at junior racing is quite hilly so at the time I thought that was the answer you know that I had to get really skinny and um yeah that, that was that's what I was thinking um essentially eventually it just become a bit of a um an obsession and it wasn't really healthy um and I'd gone so far that um I'd, I'd be lacking so much energy like I wouldn't be able to like socialize like I was losing friends because like at break time I'd I'd be so like lacking energy I just sit there and like when I think about it now it's like a terrible thing to do like I I, I did learn a lot from it um but yeah it was so stupid like I feel as though quite a few juniors do go through this like they they feel as though like it, it's the answer, but there is there is a there is a there is a balance. Um, so, in terms of my own mental health, it was devastating, really. Um, yeah, I was I wasn't very much of a normal person to be honest. Um, but um, I come through it. Um, 
eventually and realized that the way forwards wasn't to be obsessive about um about this um but just to like look at it as like look it's a factor which makes you good on the road and um it's something to consider but it's not the be all and end all and you don't need to go to extremes to do it um so essentially it, yeah it, it did take me a long time to get back to where i wanted to be and i was kind of scared at the time as well because um usually like when i'm on the track i'm like 82 kilos or like 83 and at the, at the time and i was down to 64 kilos so i was literally just sticking you know just bones and a bit of bit of tissue really but um yeah it took me a while to build myself back up again and get going um yeah mm, i think a lot of young people struggle with that and especially in cycling i think the media can sometimes be a real problem with that do you think that social media can affect the way that people sort of see themselves and what the way they compare themselves to others yeah yeah and I, I do think this with social media I think that you know anytime someone posts something on social media it's normally only the highlights um it's it's when something great happened to them or like when they're in peak form in the Tour de France or you know, no one ever posts the ugly parts or the parts that people don't really want you to see. And um, it just, I think it just creates an unrealistic expectation of, you know, what um, what an athlete looks like or what they do and just how they live. Um, so I, I, I do think it's a good thing. It's great for news and it's great to like see how your friends are doing and stuff. But um, I think people need to realise as well that, you know, it's it's not the real world. Let's be honest, it's it's um it's a place where we post the highlights um and it can i, I guess it's scary in some some respects that some people will look at it look at it and think like you know like this is it like this is what people are like and stuff um so it's, it's dangerous in that respect i think people need to realize that, that it's not all like that and um yeah it's um there's these are the points that are like you know people are posting about that are, um you know just just like the tip of the iceberg really um and they don't see anything behind that yeah definitely so when you sort of got back into cycling as a junior you traveled to lots of different places to ride how did you find the traveling and who was supporting you at that time um so at that point i basically um i took a part-time job um because i was able at college i was um, i had a bit of free time so i'd I worked for my friend at my friend's factory making um, energy gels and energy bars. Um, and that's how I managed to save up to go to different races around Europe and Africa. And that was a point at which like I really got into like doing proper races, UCI racing. Um, and that's when I got my first taste of it. And um, yeah, it's, it was great just to go out and explore and do new things. My parents supported me as much as they could, um, but obviously traveling is really expensive. I remember traveling around actually when I was, I must have been 17 or something. I did a tour in Morocco and that was my first stage race I did. I think it was like, it was nine days long um, and I got the shock of my life. It was a, it was only a lower level race, but it was such a big thing for me. Um, and I saved up for like half a year to go and managed to go over there. And it was a, it was a great experience racing in the sun and, um is it it really made me decide that I wanted to do it in the future how do you think it helped you having an older brother 
who's also a cyclist and can it be difficult if people compare you yeah so um there's good there's good there's good points and bad points um i think my whole life um people have compared me to my older brother i've got a younger brother as well but um he's yeah he's more of a club rider um so yeah essentially when i was younger uh my school friends would be like well who's who's the best hand field who's the quickest um so that's when it started really and um i think my brother's a lot more extroverted than me he's a lot more over social media and stuff and um most people just it felt like most people through my life have just known me as harry's brother um so it's nice it was nice when i started doing the track that i had my own sort of thing going on and you know i i was able to do the track and um he was on the road so it kind of got me a little bit more of a I don't know, I, I felt more of a more of my own sort of person, not just I'm his shadow kind of thing. So, yeah, um, it, the comparisons are still there and everyone's always going to do that. I think I think it's natural that people, you know, people always compare with each other and um, it's it's obviously the natural thing to do if it's your brother. So, yeah, it's it's there, but it's not it's not too much of a too much of a bad thing now. I think I'm quite, quite, quite happy with it because, um, you know, it's it's a normal thing to do. And yeah. So he's got his road and I'm on the track. Um, so, you know, we've kind of got both, both things going on, really. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned earlier, you've probably sort of pushed each other on. So then there was that sort of thing. Mm. You, but I think it's nice that now you both, that you do different disciplines. So then you're sort of your own rider. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's definitely a good point. Um, we both helped each other out in that sense that, when we would train with each other, I feel as though we'd kind of be a bit competitive as well. And we'd always want to like beat each other and stuff and always do better in training, which can be bad, but it was mainly good, I think. Uh, so we kind of push each other on. I don't think many people get the chance to do that as well in training, like mm. if they don't have a brother. Yeah. I have a cousin that lives in London and we're the same age and we always push mm. each other on, but my brother's a couple of years older than me and he doesn't ride as much so I don't have someone who I can sort of battle against all the time so it's pretty cool that you can have that person when you're growing up. Yeah I guess I'm quite lucky in that sense. I understand that your dad was involved in a cycling accident. Is he okay now and how did this affect you? Mm, yeah so um, I think I was I think I've been 17 at the time. He yeah, he, so on the way back home, um, we were all up for a family ride once. I think it was like, it was around Christmas time. Um, he was suffering, so he decided to take a shortcut home. And um, yeah, he, he ends up crashing going down this hill. And um, it was quite a serious crash, actually. He, um, he's partially paralyzed. So his life changed from that point. Um, well, our, our, all our lives did, really. Um, he's obviously partially severed his spinal cord. So... There's only so much recovery you can get from that. Um, so at that point forwards, um, everything kind of changed. It would be more of a, I don't know, I'd be more, much more independent after that. We were forced into being independent because my dad could no longer work and, you know, he couldn't do things around the house and it would put extra, put a bit of extra strain on my mum as well. So at that point, I definitely felt a lot of responsibility to, um to do my own thing and again like just self-fund it really because yeah it was a very difficult point I think in my life um for all of us really um but it's good that he's 
he's he's made a, a really good recovery and um yeah he's he's able to walk still which is a massive bonus so he's able to come and watch the races and yeah we were just very grateful that it wasn't anything worse really yeah so um he's yeah he's doing really well but yeah obviously from that point onwards it was for me and my brother it was it was all us um doing our own thing and obviously the support from our parents they still tried to support us as much as they could but we had to try and work things out for ourselves I guess I was glad to hear that he's able to walk and that he's made a good recovery I think Mm. it must have been very hard for you all but do you think that's helped you as a rider to sort of become a bit more independent when even when you're at a young age yeah I definitely think so um I feel as though looking back when I was 15 or 16 um I wasn't very independent whatsoever I feel as though like my family had like just give me a bit of a sheltered upbringing um so this kind of forced me into being more independent and doing my own thing really so that that is something that's I guess made me a different person to who I am today just from just from that experience really um so it's yeah yeah it's 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 a difficult one but I guess it kind of makes we makes us who we are you rode for planet x north side in 2016 can you tell me about your time with that team yeah so that was the first time I think I joined the elite an elite team from when I was a club cyclist um so my friend Jack Reese he started it um and that team's now ribble well type and that was the first time that I was able to go abroad and do racing abroad and um essentially I was I think I was 17 going on 18 at that age and um I basically just tried to get get as much traveling in as I could and as many races as I could and um we did a full program as a senior. We went to Morocco. We were we raced in China. We raced um, in Hong Kong and um, many places in Europe as well. So that team was kind of the first time I experienced proper racing and uh, elite level racing. Me and my brother, we both guested. Well, Harry guested for that team as well. So I was able to go and race it for the first time with him then, which was quite quite cool. Um, just to just to be there really was great. I mean, I was really young at the time. I think I was just turned eighteen. So it was when I look back now, um, it's quite a it's quite a special thing to do to go traveling through China when you're just old enough to um, just old enough to like travel really legally. Yeah. And at the start of twenty seventeen, you won the team pursuit and came second in the individual pursuit at the track national championships. Can you tell me about that experience? So, yeah, that was essentially the start of when um, I started my track career um, properly. I did ride on the track when I was a talent team, um, but stopped since because I wasn't on the programme anymore. Yeah, we, we didn't start race thinking that, you know, if we could be on the podium, we'd be happy. We never really thought that there'd be a possibility of beating the academy lads because at the time, I you know I was I was essentially I was basically just a hobby cyclist. Um, my friend Dan was new to the sport, and Johnny Whale had just taken up track at uni, so he was like a uni cyclist. And then there was Tipper as well. He was um, he's a bit of a road rider like me, and we were all just a group of mates. And then we 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 got to the race and um, somehow managed to win, which was 
a massive shock to us. Like we were ecstatic. We we celebrated it as if we won the world champs. And um yeah, it was a massive breakthrough point for us. And it it, it started what we wanted to do in the future, which was run a track team and go and do the World Cups. Um and basically just see how far we can take it. And um yeah, I guess I'm still going now on that journey. So um yeah, it was great. Can you tell me about your move to Brother UK? Yeah, so I moved to Brother, which is that's the same team as Planet X, really. They just they had new sponsors. Um that year I um was uh I think I was second year under 23. So I managed to get myself on the podium at the national champs on the road and the uh, TT. Um and I kind of built up a bit as a as a rider there and um during that year, we did the World Cups as well. So we we managed to race against national fed, national federations. Just you know, four lads that had like who were mates from uni got managed to get up into the world stage and race against British, British cycling and the Italians and stuff. And um, it was pretty crazy because no one had ever done that before. So that was that was the year that was really where we we managed to like get onto the world scene and. Um, yeah, do do some racing against people we'd never thought we would would be able to race against. You did really well in the team pursuit at the track World Cups in 2018. You were part of a team with friend of the podcast, Dan Bigham. Did you find that you worked really well as teammates? Obviously, you're already friends, but did the sort of cycling teammate part work really well as well? Yeah, um, so yeah, we, we were friends um, before the team started. Um, I remember we went on a training camp in Calpe one year and um, Dan had done the, the national individual pursuit the year before and we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I, I'll give this a go, why not? Like, give me something to focus on over winter. Um, so that's that's when we started the team, the, the track team, and um over that year, we we all moved to Derby to go and train together, and we kind of took it really seriously. Um, once we got the team going, because we we felt as if we had a massive opportunity, really, with Dan's knowledge of aerodynamics, um, and you know, like we we gelled really good as a group. And yeah, Dan Dan, Dan was um, Dan works really well with us. Um, it was good to be his teammate for a while. Um, since then, he's moved on. So I don't see him as much now, but um, it was really cool actually to to work with those 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 guys, and they're still friends now. And um, yeah, it's um, it's quite it feels like quite a while ago now since then. After the great results in the World Cups, how did you feel going into the World Champs? Um, so yeah, I had no idea that I'd be in this position. Like if someone asked me a year before, like. I just said they're crazy. Um, so the preparation was kind of quite short. Um, I did most of the World Cups that year, just thinking like if I could just do another World Cup, that'd be great. Little did I know that I'd be getting a trial with GB a few months later and being able to race with the track program, which was pretty mental. I I remember being starstruck when uh, when Ed Clancy was riding in front of me in the team. I was like, whoa. How, what am I doing with this guy? Like, how, how have I ended up in this position? Um, I really felt as though like I was in such a privileged p- place. Um, so going to the World Champs, I wasn't expecting to be selected. In all honesty, I was just 
happy to be there and just to do my best. Um, I went on one training camp with GB to Mallorca beforehand. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. Then we went, then after that, we got, I got selected for the team pursuit and individual pursuit. And um, yeah, the race was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, a world ch- nothing can prepare you, I don't think, for your first world champs, especially the route I took, um, you know, because some of the other lads, they, they didn't like your junior Euros and junior worlds. And I've not had that experience. I've just been doing national Bs and the old national champs here and there. Um, yeah, and to, to race was incredible. I was so nervous before that I don't think I slept like three nights before. <laughs> um, and I got to the race and luckily it all come together on the day and there was a sketchy moment on the uh after my last turn i lost my front wheel i almost crashed um but i managed to keep it together and um we managed to win and beat the danes which is yeah it's it was mad um afterwards i, was, I think i was just numb i didn't really feel because it's such a it's such a big experience like emotionally i just didn't know i didn't know what to think like i was just i was so shocked that i'd actually won the worlds and yeah, it's incredible. I remember um I remember after the podium, my coach now, Ian, said to me, like, look, um, you know, you've always got this now. Like you've always got this world jersey to look back on. And um, yeah, it's it's great, really. It's um, yeah, just feel privileged to be in this position that I'm in now, really. You then competed in the team suit at the Commonwealth Games. Can you talk me through how that went for you? Yeah, so um after that, um I remember it was kind of pressure off after that um, because the world champs and I knew that, you know, if you can do well there, then the Commonwealth, there's a smaller pool of talent. So I felt as though I could have done a, a good job there. And um, I basically just wanted to see how far I could take it at the time. Um, doing the World Cups was great. And then I, I did one better with the world champs and then going on to the Commonwealth Games. Um, yeah, I just really wanted to go and enjoy the experience and stuff. Um, I remember my family were over there too, so it was good to see those. I hadn't seen them in months. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, the team pursuit, obviously, all the guys on the program for us are, are British uh, English anyway, so it didn't really affect our lineup at all. Um, yeah, it was it was just great experience. I loved it. And then you joined the GB program after the Commonwealth Games. How did becoming part of that make your life different? Um, my life changed dramatically after that. Um, I'd gone from someone who I called myself pretty disgraceful, like, you know, with my time punctuality and um, just how I conduct myself as an athlete. It was a very steep learning curve when I first joined GB and how to do things right and do them to a good standard. Um, so I moved to Manchester. Um, I moved in with uh, the sprinter Phil Hines, and uh, I started a new life. Basically, I didn't really know anyone. I didn't know anyone on the program, and um, I just thought if I can stay on for a few years and just tr- improve and train train as well as I could, then I might be able to, you know, go to more world champs and maybe even in the long run go to an Olympics. Um, so everything changed from then. Um, I, I do I do now think like it's it's great like it's it's such a a great place to be for athletes and it, I, I think it definitely brings the best out of us and you rode the tour series with your road team Canyon Iceberg and you won the team classification 
how did you find that experience was it sort of the first road race that you'd done since all of your track achievements it was yeah it was it was my first time I'd um, done the tour series as well um so essentially um I wasn't very fit and I'd been on holiday since Commonwealth Games and um I was kind of getting back into things but luckily we managed to pull a bit of a result there um I feel as though I haven't really fulfilled my full potential on the road yet um which is something I want to explore further in the future but it was good to get on the road again and um do that with the others um I always enjoy the two series because British cycling is a very serious environment and it's quite high pressure and to go and race with the lads um, around the UK is good because it's a little bit more relaxed and yeah, we can just go and enjoy our racing really. You spent several years trying to become the national time trial champion. How did it feel to finally win that in 2018? Oh, that was amazing. Um, I, I managed to get a third uh, the year before and I thought to myself, oh, I can do this. Like I'm in the, I'm in the hunt here for it. and um, that was one of my main targets that year to win that race um i went luckily the course was local so i used to i would sneak over back home and go and wreck the course uh, i don't think the coaches were too happy about that but yeah it was great um i think the podium there was there was me pitcock and uh and hater oh no it was charlie quarterman they're they're all world tour now i'm not yet <laughs> but um yeah it was quite quite a good field that year really Back on the track, your team won bronze at the European Championships, which was held in Glasgow. Can you tell me about that race? Uh, so that race for us was, I think we should have won that race. Um, we we kind of experimented with different types of training before that. And um, it, we were basically training like uh, team sprinters, I remember. And um, we were very fast, like for, you know, a few laps to 2k but then after 2k we would kind of we didn't have the endurance so um that race was actually one of the hardest races i've ever done in my life we didn't go quick at all we only i think we went like 56 or something i just remember being hanging on i just remember hanging on to haters wheel even haters wheel in the last like four laps to go and just thinking wow this is so painful and um we managed to scrape a bronze somehow, which was, yeah, that was my only European medal, actually, um, so far. But it was good to, it's good to get, good to get a medal there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, such a painful race. Me, me, me Keen Amadi and Ethan Hayter went to the finish there, and I've never tried so hard before in my life. I guess it just shows that preparation's key, really. And you won the team pursuit in the national championships in 2019. And then you came second at the World Championships. Can you tell me about both of these races? Yeah, so um, the the national champs were, um, they were just kind of a bit of fun for me, a, a chance for me to go for a race a race uh, scenario because I was able to race with my KGF teammates again. So it's good to be back with those. And it was, that was a great experience. And it's really good to just, just do it just for this, just for the pleasure of, of racing, really. Um, and there's no like upper management looking over you or anything. You're just there to go and have fun and and do a good race. Um, so that was great. Uh, it was good to be back with the with the lads again and um, to get to get a really nice result. Um, yeah. Then moving on to the world champs um, again. That was that was a tricky second edition because the year before we've won it and um, 
the Aussies were here this time. They they did race in 2018 because they would focus on Commonwealth Games. Um, so we 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 kind of we got, we got second in the end, um, which in the World Champs, you know, it's it's still it's a great result. But I remember at the time we were very very sad about it. Um, but looking back now, I think second place is you know in a World Champs it's pretty good, um, and we give it our best shot. So that's kind of what the result was. Clearly, things were going really well for you. How did you keep yourself grounded after everything that you had been through as a teenager? Um, yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, I feel as a the the main thing that kept me in line was fear of not being able to perform in my next race. Um, I just remember being so like fearful that like something would go wrong or like I'd start to lose performance, um, which as an athlete, I guess, um, is kind of, it's not the most healthiest thing to think because um, you, I, th- I felt as though like at the time I'd become quite anxious about it and like, would I, would my performances be good enough in the future and stuff? Um, I think that was the main driving force, to be honest, which probably isn't the most healthiest thing to think. Um, but since then, I think it's become more of a profession. Um, I'm a lot more, you know, I've been doing it for the three years now, so it's more of a case of like just getting the most out of myself now and um, just, yeah, just seeing how far I can go with it, really. So I know that you sadly lost your mum in 2019, not long before the European Championships. That must have been such a difficult time for you. You went on to win bronze in the team pursuit of that event. Was it hard to focus on racing at that time? It was. Um, yeah, that that time was very difficult. Um, I yeah, um, I lost I lost my mum at the time, and um, nothing can prepare you for that really. Um, yeah, it was such a shock. Um, I don't really remember too much of the time because I think I was just so like stressed um, that I just kind of removed it from my memory. Um, yeah, it's. I really wanted to do, to perform to perform well there because I felt as though my mum deserved it. Um, she'd always supported me through my career, so um, yeah, it was good to get a bronze medal there, even though it was just a bronze. Um, yeah, to to be in a, a state where you could still race after that um, was quite tricky. Um, you need to, um, yeah, the psychologist Rich helped me quite a bit actually. Just thought about it methodically and um, I feel I felt very motivated at the time because I really wanted to do well for her um, mm. so yeah it kind of just it, it come together um, for us as a team in that race uh, um, in, in the fact that I was able to race um, yeah that was probably one of the most difficult moments of my life because it's not easy to um, it's not easy to, 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 to even get on a bike after that um, but anyway, I think the cycling at that point was something for me to focus on and something for me to um, just channel my, my energy into. Um, and I think eventually I definitely turned it into like a, a form of like motivation to, you know, to, to really do, do what I needed to do. Um, because, yeah, I just felt like, I needed to focus on something at the time and something for me to like keep going really. Mm. Um, 
yeah, so it was, yeah, it's very difficult, I guess. Mm. At the start of 2020, you competed in the World Championships in Berlin. Tell me about that week and how it went. Uh, that week was, um, well, we, we knew going into it that um, the other nations would have all the Olympic kit on and we were still in our training kit. So we knew for a tough one from when we arrived. Um, yeah, so we weren't expecting to be, you know, we weren't expecting really to be, I don't know what we were expecting, but I think a podium for us would have been absolutely incredible. Um, and we give it our all in, in the first round um, and it, it really didn't pay off for us. But at the time afterwards, we, we, we kind of debriefed it and we thought like, look, um, we've been given this opportunity now with lockdown and COVID for us to like kind of change. Um, so we, tr we tried to use that time afterwards to just prepare the best way that we could. Um, the result wasn't the, what we were hoping for. So in a way, that was a kind of motivation for us to like keep on working afterwards to try and improve and get to where we needed to be, really. You mentioned lockdown and COVID. How was your 2020? Um, so my 2020 was very, um, it was very repetitive as lockdowns were. Yeah, we, we, I, I went home for the lockdown and... Um, I remember I would just basically, yeah, train, come back home, rest, and repeat. Really, um, so it, it was um, it's quite an ex it's quite of a, an experience. I I just remember just missing racing really because you don't get to meet many people and stuff. And racing would have been something where you know you can go and meet people and you can go and race your bike. It's good fun and um, yeah, it was it was quite tricky really. Um, but then moving back to Manchester and things have gradually just got back to normal, really. So let's talk about Tokyo 2020. You were selected as a travelling reserve. When did you find out and how did you feel about it? Um, so we did our, um, we did our ride-offs before selection. And basically, for one reason or another, it didn't go my way and I really kind of struggled. Um, so I, I knew beforehand that I wasn't going to get selected because I knew my performance wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, it wasn't a shock to me at all. Like I kind of prepared to be a reserve. Before, well, I kind of prepared to not to be selected before the selection process had been being put out. Um, so that was, it wasn't a shock. Um, I was actually quite, when the selection news come through, to become a reserve, I was actually quite, I thought, that's actually better than what I thought it was going to be because I thought that I wasn't even going to go to the Olympics but um, even to go as a, as a reserve for me um, was a tricky situation but um, it kind of paid off in the end because I mean I got to ride in the Olympics and not many people can say that um, so in that sense it's good um, how it happened wasn't wasn't so good but yeah there's there's positives to it I guess and can you tell me about the build-up to the Olympics and what a typical day for you and the team was in preparation to head to Tokyo? Yeah, so for us, we went to a holding camp in Newport first. Um, we were there for two weeks. Um, so we had been in a very controlled environment and um, each day was focused around training. There was no other external stresses that we needed to worry about and it's 
a good environment for us to get the most out of ourselves. Um, for me, um, I wasn't doing many efforts because I was the reserve. So um, I would try and make the most of my time by pre preparing for an individual pursuit. Um, so <laughs> I managed to knock out some grit. PBs for myself. I was I was really happy with the times I was doing, and um, if that was something to take away from it, um, I thought to myself because because I thought I wouldn't I wouldn't really be racing in the race because everyone here is great, everyone's in good health, you know, and um, yeah, I managed to do a four. I think I, in Newport I managed to do a four or seven, um, and then I got to Tokyo and managed to do a few more as well before before getting told that I was going to be riding in the Olympics, which is pretty mad. <laughs> So you arrived in Tokyo to do your job in helping the team to train for races and you expected to be sitting on the sidelines. The next thing, you're involved in one of the most talked about events in the Olympics. How did you deal with that and did you realise how big that was at the time? I think at the time, maybe not, because again, we're in the bubble. Um, you don't see anything going on going on in the outside world. You're just thinking about what you're going to do. And at the time, I just didn't think about like what could have happened or what would have happened like if it went wrong. I just tried to just make the most of what I had. Um, I'd done two individual pursuits two days before. Then, then on the day of the first ride, I went out and did a road ride because racing has died. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'll go for a go for some training rides and go and see what the local area has to offer. Um, so in my head, it was even trickier because I hadn't prepared for the race how I'd wanted to. And in all honesty, I didn't feel as though I had the most experience in the line and doing an actual full team pursuit. So these worries are kind of in the back of my head. But the first ride, I feel as though the lack of experience showed through and I just, I didn't, do the best ride that I feel as so I could have done. And um, that was kind of difficult to difficult to like kind of stomach really because it wasn't really the fact that I'd done badly. It was just that my teammates, my te I kind of felt as though I let my teammates down because I just didn't do what I was wanting to do really. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we trained day in, day out with each other and we are, we're all good mates. So I kind of wanted to do well for them as well as, as well for me, for myself. Um, so it was kind of, that was hard. Um, and again, the next the next day, I just wanted to do better, really. Yeah, I think when someone is racing, they always know before and, they, and, and they're able to prepare. So it must have been really difficult to sort of focus for the racing when you really hadn't been expecting it and you weren't mentally prepared for it. That's the thing. Um, yeah, me mentally, um, it was pretty crazy. Um, but I knew, I knew that if I, if I, if I wrote it with the right strategy, that we could still do pretty well. And um, I think we showed that on the last ride that we got a new British record, and we we did a forty-five. So um, it showed that there was some potential there. And um, yeah, like with the right mindset and stuff, we can we could have gone faster. Um, and also, I think it feels like with my own preparation, we could have done better if 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 I knew if I knew what, if I knew I'd been able to race. I definitely wouldn't have gone out for a road ride the day before, um, which you know it is what it is. Um, 
and we're gonna we were trying to move forward from it, I guess. So the bikes that Team GB had were quite different from the other bikes. What did you think of them, and when did you first get to ride on one? Well, I first got to ride it um, a few months before the holding camp. Um, so I'm quite a fussy rider with my bikes, and um, I like everything to be. I like I like to tinker a bit. I like to adjust it. And um, in my mind, it was kind of like hell because the, these bikes they are they were, they were they were so good, but they were so different as well. And the bike felt completely alien to me at first, and I I really struggled with that. And um, the worst thing about it was. I couldn't adjust it because all the parts on it were like 3D printed and, you know, there, there was no adjustments and then um, it was set to what it was. Um, so essentially I thought that was quite hard for me to adapt to. The bikes themselves, like obviously they are faster, like they are great. Like I, I think it's like amazing engineering that the, the R&I department have come up with to build these sort of things. Um, but from an athlete perspective, it was actually really stressful. Um, and it was one of the things which I struggled to adapt with actually um, when we all got on them and everyone else kind of felt at home at it and I and I didn't really. Um, so it took me quite a while to get used to it really. And I, don't, I don't know if I ever fully did really without, without the adjustment was quite tricky. How did it feel to be back in the UK on the road with your team, Canyon DHB Sun Gods? and competing in the Tour Series, taking the win for yourself and as a team in the final race. Yeah, um, again, that was something that I wanted to do just to like get, have a bit of a change really from, um, from, from doing a lot of track. Um, I went over with um, my teammates and that was good to have a good laugh there and um, managed to get the win in the end. So I can't remember the last time I got a road race room, which is, which is really good. Um, we're off to Belgium soon, so we're, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting as much road racing as I can, really. And what are the rest of your plans for the year? So the rest of the year, I'm just going to try and do as much road racing as I can, really. Take it as far as I can. Um, and then next year, there's Commonwealth Games, so that's, that's a major goal for myself. And um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? I don't know, in five years. In three years' time, I'd hope to be in the Olympics again. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to just go all in for that, and I really want to perform well at the Olympics. Uh, I think that's what motivates me. Um, and I'm also I'm, I'm growing to like the road a lot more. Um, so I'd, I'd like to try and mix that in with my program. Um, I feel as though it can be done with a lot of the other team pursuers. Um, they're doing a road program alongside their team pursuing, so. I feel as it could benefit my team pursue then. Um, so I want to just get stuck in, really, and just do some more racing and just make the most of it, really, because, um, yeah, not many people are in the position that I'm in, so I just want to make the most of it. And um, if, you know, say, like, I don't manage to make the next Olympics and so be it, I'll give it my best shot, and I feel as though I'd be able to, I'd, I could be happy with that if I've done my best. What's your favourite race you've ever done? Favourite race? Um, I would say, um, I don't know, actually. Uh, I, can't, I love crit racing. Crit racing is great because it's, it's short and it's action-packed and that's fun. Um, it's quite a lot of technical elements to it as well. Um, it's tricky, actually, because they're all very painful. They all hurt a lot. <laughs> the only time I feel as though I enjoyed it is when I finished. 
because <laughs> of pain because of pain stopped but you look back on it and um I think actually my favorite race would have been I went to a stage race in America when I was a junior um and I managed to get in the yellow jersey there which is good um so that was that was a great experience I, I enjoyed just going abroad with my friends and really um yeah and um just making the most of it I feel as though I enjoy I enjoy the time off the bike as much as I do on the bike, really. They both go hand in hand. What race would you really like to do that you haven't done? <laughs> Parube. That was my all-time goal to do that race on the road. Um, I've, I would really love to race that race because I feel as though my sort of road characteristics would be suited for that. Um, yeah, it just looks great. I watch it every year live and I just can't get enough of it, really. Um, yeah, so that would be the race I'd want to do. Yeah, I love Paribé. As I said to you, I'm not really a Brady, but I would love to do Paribé. It does look cool, doesn't it? Yeah. What's your favourite track to ride? Um, Manchester. I'd say Manchester because um, it just feels so natural. Is We spend so much time there, um, it's, it's funny because you get to a different track and it feels so weird like because we spent so much time at Manchester. Um, <clears throat> there was a local track actually near my hometown um, but that got knocked down so I feel as though that's got a lot of memories attached to it. Um, yeah that was, it was good to ride there as, as a young rider. Um, yeah so I'd, I'd, say, I'd say Manchester. Where's your favourite place to ride for fun? <clears throat> So with me, I live right next to the Peak District. So um, getting into the peaks is great. I love going out into into the peaks and just exploring. I use this app called Commute, and um, I just put a ride on it, and um, I can go for hours and just you know just see new places and you see things you would never really see in a car. Um, so I, yeah, I go into the peaks a lot, and that's my favorite place, I guess, um, because. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it is beautiful scenery and also there's massive climbs there, so it's really good training as well. Who's your favourite person <laughs> to ride with? Uh, I don't know really. I don't know. I don't know if I have a favourite person. Um, I love going out with my teammates. Um, we always have a good laugh, and um, it's great to go and do a cafe ride with them a lot, and then you know sit at the cafe for a bit, have a coffee and some cake, and um, that's what I enjoy a lot. Um, but obviously, you know, we got to balance out with some hard training as well. So um, those days are quite uh, sparse. But yeah, you, I, I enjoy those when they come around. Who's your favourite current rider? Favourite current rider? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm enjoying watching Tour of Norway with um, Ethan Hater. He's doing so well there, my teammate. Um, I've been glued to the screen on that one um, and seeing Matt Walls in the last stage as well. Um, yeah, I don't think I really have a current favourite rider, but um, I'm really yeah following closely uh, my teammates' progress in the racing because it's great to see. And who's your favourite rider <laughs> of all time? All time? Um, I'm going to say Bradley Wiggins or maybe Chris Boardman. Chris Boardman, I feel as though he would be my favourite because... He was a guy who was quite ahead of his time, I think, when he was doing his time trialing and riding. And um, he was very switched on rider. So I feel as though he's um, he's one of these people who think outside the box, which I think that was 
yeah, that was pretty cool. Like he would go to the extremes with aerodynamics and his training techniques. And um, yeah, I feel as though he's he's my favorite rider of all time because not necessarily he's the most successful, but I feel as though he kind of made the most out for what he had, really. What's your advice for young riders? Uh, number one would be enjoy what you're doing. Definitely. Um, I feel as though if you enjoy what you're doing, then that's the main reason why you do it. Because um, cycling is not easy. It's, um, you know, you've got to put yourself through a lot of um, training and it's it's difficult at times. So it's got to, you got to remember that you do it because you enjoy it. And um, if I was to give advice to a young rider now, it'd be um, make sure that you, yeah, enjoy what you're doing. And just if things don't go your way, don't be disheartened because it's never a smooth road to the top. And um, you just got to keep at it, really. You've got five minutes before you head out onto the track. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? Anything, really. Um, I think before the Olympic Games, the, um, the they were playing like some music over the, uh, over the radio and... Um, this like bulletproof going by LaRue or something. So I, I thought that was like a good song at the time. And um, I, I was just listening to that before the warm up, before the last ride, because I just thought it was a cool song. Um, my teammates like to listen to a lot of rap before racing. Um, so I'm quite into that. Um, they always put on like J. Cole or something, uh, like a live performance. And um, that, that gets you really motivated. Um, but yeah, I, I listen to anything really. Anything that I think is cool at the time, usually songs that have like been hits in the past that uh, just think, oh, that's cool, and then I'll just listen to it for a while. Thank you for joining me today, Charlie. I really appreciate you being so open and honest, and I think a lot of people will benefit from listening to your episode. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Charlie for being on the podcast and telling me about his story. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give me your feedback via my Instagram account at cycling.talk.podcast. Make sure to give the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast on Spotify. See you on the bike.